Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 11.45 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 28th day of March 2023, and this is episode 692 of Bitcoin. And SBF is charged with funneling $40 million in crypto to bribe CCP officials. Yeah, he's being charged again. No, seriously, they're not done. They're just, this is like the second addendum to his original charges. This cat just can't, I mean, I guess it's like once you get into trouble, you just stay in trouble. Talk about a problem child. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about NVIDIA being kind of stupid. Got ZBD is in the news. Binance clearly is in the news. Uh, Some zero sync stuff is coming to Bitcoin and everybody's talking about how it went to Ethereum first. (laughs) oh see now bitcoin needs to have it because ethereum had it they are trying 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 all like the shit coinery news agencies are just doing everything they can everything they can to make it look like bitcoin's running up second when what we are really doing is usurping everything under the sun and making sure that it actually works first. I'm just saying, and then we'll do, you know, we'll do numbers. And then I got the piece by, uh, who wrote this thing? Oh, uh, Knutz Von Holm wrote this one. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about Clown World. NASDAQ doing some stuff. Got some Bitcoin hash rate. We're going to do it all. So let's start out with the problem child. The little rascal that is Sam Bankman fried. This one is from Zero Hedge. Kind of looks like it's written by Tyler Durden. You know, that's what the thing that always confuses me about Zero Hedge is that he's got, it says Zero Hedge, or like it'll have the, 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 the headline and then it always says by Tyler Durden. And then underneath that, if somebody else actually wrote the piece, then it will give the author line. It's always been confusing to me, but whatever, Zero Hedge is going to Zero Hedge. And federal prosecutors in Manhattan have hit FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried with a new 13-count indictment accusing him of funneling $40 million in cryptocurrency to one or more Chinese government officials in order to influence and induce them to unfreeze Alameda Research trading accounts holding over $1 billion in crypto. He is accused of conspiring to violate anti-bribery permit provisions of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Hmm. In the Tuesday court filing, prosecutors asked United States District Judge Lewis Kaplan to arrange a court hearing in order to arraign Bankman Fried on the new charges. Quote, the S-5 indictment, which was unsealed this morning, includes the 12 counts 
contained in the S3 superseding indictment, as well as an additional count for conspiracy to violate the anti-bribery provisions of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act in violation of 18 U.S.C. 371, end quote, reads a letter to the judge, Coindesk reports. The 31-year-old previously pled guilty to eight counts related to the collapse of FTX after prosecutors accused him of stealing billions of dollars in customer assets to try and stop Alameda Research, his crypto hedge fund, from imploding. This kind of reads just a bit weird because let's go back up here. In order to influence and induce the Chinese officials to unfreeze Alameda Research trading accounts holding over $1 billion in crypto, influence the government Chinese government officials what I'm I'm a little confused because I was unaware that Chinese banks had any part of Alameda research trading accounts so I I literally man I'm not sure what they're talking about here it does seem clear that he definitely tried to to bribe some Chinese officials with 40 you know 40 million dollars in cryptocurrency but uh, the, the unfreezing of Alameda Research trading accounts holding over $1 billion in crypto, I was, like I said, very unaware that any of Alameda Research trading banking accounts were held by Chinese banks. So if you've got any news on that, let me know. But problem child is, I mean, it's just, he's racking up charge after charge after charge. It's like he can't stop. And I also wonder, because if the things were frozen, there was no, like for instance, there was never any news before the FTX implosion. There was never any news whatsoever that said Chinese officials or Chinese banks uh, had frozen Alameda research trading accounts at their banks, right? So if they were frozen, I would imagine that the freeze came after FTX imploded and filed for bankruptcy. So he's now bribing officials after the fact, which means he's using digital communications to do so, most likely. I can't imagine him writing a a handwritten letter. And he's not supposed to be using any kind of digital communications technology. So now there's another story, which I will not read, but there's another headline in the news today that's saying that somebody is maybe the same judge, maybe a different judge is trying to get him to stop using Signal. You know, it's... This is becoming, this entire thing is becoming uh, very, very obscure as to exactly what the hell's going on. Guess we'll have to wait for the case to actually uh, play out to see what happens. Now NVIDIA, oh boy. NVIDIA, the makers of our favorite gaming cards. You know, if you're if you're a video gamer, chances are good. You know who NVIDIA is. Well, they say crypto adds nothing to society despite profiting from mining themselves. Kate Irwin lines us out for Decrypt.co. Computer hardware manufacturer NVIDIA has profited off of the cryptocurrency mining industry in recent years, but now CTO Michael Kagan has reportedly said that crypto does not bring anything useful to society, according to The Guardian. Instead, Kagan hopes that NVIDIA products are used for artificial intelligence development rather than crypto mining. Quote, all this crypto stuff, it needed parallel processing and NVIDIA is the best, 
So people just programmed it to use for this purpose, Kagan said. Quote, they bought a lot of stuff and then eventually it collapsed because it doesn't bring anything useful for society. AI does, end quote. While Kagan argues that the crypto industry has collapsed, Bitcoin and shitcoin number one, the two largest cryptocurrencies by market cap, have regained value in recent months. Bitcoin is up 17% in the past month and shitcoin number one I don't care about. The emerging Web3 gaming industry has also seen substantial venture capital funding in recent months, but Kagan simply doesn't believe that crypto has any merit. Quote, I never believed that crypto is something that will do something good for humanity. You know, people do crazy things and they buy your stuff. You sell them stuff, but you don't redirect the company to support whatever it is, end quote. Yeah, I'm going to come back on this guy a little bit. This is the CTO. He's the chief technology officer of a major corporation in the world. He talks like a five-year-old. NVIDIA has historically a mixed relationship with crypto before shitcoin number one's move to a more energy efficient proof of stake model in september of 2022 there was a high demand for powerful graphic cards as shitcoin number one miners used them to mine token awards uh, rewards via the original proof of work model combined with the pandemic related chip shortage the cost of gpus skyrocketed and it became near impossible for gamers to buy the latest generation of graphics cards in an effort to deter crypto miners, NVIDIA first tried to force hash rate limitations on its products, for which hackers found a workaround almost immediately. Later, the company released special products designed for crypto miners, such as the NVIDIA CMPHX, a chip which NVIDIA's website states is designed for professional mining operations. Despite Kagan's dislike for crypto, NVIDIA has profited off of the industry for years. The firm's PC original equipment manufacturer revenue jumped 200% in 2017 with NVIDIA writing that the spike was due primarily to strong demand for GPU products targeted in the use of cryptocurrency mining. Last year, NVIDIA paid the United States Securities and Exchange Commission $5.5 million in fines for failing to disclose its gaming GPUs also saw success because crypto miners were buying up all those products in mass as well. So there you go. Now check the, I mean, honestly, this is the way your CTO speaks. Really all this crypto stuff, it needed parallel processing and we're the best. So people just programmed it to use for this purpose. They, they bought a lot of stuff and then eventually it collapsed because it doesn't bring anything useful for society. AI does. I never believed that crypto is something that will do something good for humanity. You know, people do crazy things, but they buy your stuff. You sell them stuff, but you don't redirect the company to support whatever it is. Really? This is your CTO? Wow. Man, that's fucking amazing, dude. Absolutely amazing. Now, this, this guy needs to stop talking in the media. And AI, I'm not exactly sure what AI brings to the table. I, it's, just, it's just a glorified search engine at this point. Now, the art is just bad. I'm sorry, it is. It's just terrible art. You can spot it a mile away. You know, it's, you can't remember who, was, who I was listening to. It was either, may have been uh, 
I think it was Adam Curry out of No Agenda was talking about, it was either him or it, it might've been John Dvorak, his partner on that show, was saying that the human brain is, is, is fast becoming very used to being able to spot fake art. And like we're, our brains are in our neurology, well, not the neurology, but the way that our brains make connections is still evolving. And that we've already evolved to be able to spot this crap, no matter what generation GPT chat or GPT art or whatever, you know, mid journey, all that stuff, no matter what engine they switch to, it's almost immediate that it becomes very, very evident, you know, exactly that you're not looking at human art. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't have a place. I'm not saying that, that it's, you know, potentially not useful. It is useful. But as far as being important, well, if you want to steal people's jobs later on down the line, when it will become evident that that will happen, because I'm not saying that it's not, AI is not a thing. I'm just saying how important is it to society to supplant humans doing stuff? If somebody want, grew up and wanted to be a writer and they can't get a writing job because chat GPT is taking all the jobs, well, then how is that good for humanity? People actually want to write. There are people out there that that's what they do. They write. They love doing it. They love being a wordsmith. And their jobs in the next five to 10 years are under, under threat. No doubt about it. But that doesn't mean it's important for society insofar that it's going to fuck it. But it's not important for society when you look at the human cost. You know, artists have a bad, you know, have a bad enough time trying to get any kind of useful gigs. You know, they want to do real art that means something for them. And then they end up doing magazine covers. Well, they're not going to be able to get that shit either in the next five to 10 years. How is that important for society? It's important because their jobs are going to get fucked. But it's not important for society because it completely demolishes a whole sector of people that want to actually do art. See where I'm going with this? Just because something is important for society does not necessarily mean that it's good for society. Let's hold out some hope that the story about ZBD will make us smile. ZBD introduces instant global payments using the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Thought they had already done this. Let's find out more from BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine. Users in the United States, UK, and EU can now instantly send money using the ZBD platform to the Philippines and Brazil. Okay. Thanks to leading partnerships with Pouch.ph and BIPA, B-I-P-A, respectively. Based on the Open Lightning Network, ZBD users can send and receive funds from any Lightning wallet or service. With this new announcement, ZBD accounts will be able to connect directly to the platforms of the announced partners, quote, similarly to open banking standards, where users connect a bank account once and can seamlessly move money to and from the account. For example, a user in Brazil can earn Bitcoin playing a game like Solitaire, then instantly transfer that money to BIPA and exchange it for Brazilian, re uh, is it reals? I think it's reals. Uh, they got it spelled with an I here, R-E-A-I-S. I, I think it's reals. 
the press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine described showcasing the effective interoperability that Bitcoin provides. Andre Neves, CTO and co-founder of ZBD, described how this is a necessary step for the growth of the company as well as Bitcoin, saying, quote, In order for Bitcoin to take its place as the native money of the internet, which really means the main form of money for the modern age, we have to make it so intuitive and simple to use for the average person that it ceases to be about Bitcoin. It's just global money. Our new feature provides a major step in that direction as it gives our users the ability to select high quality global providers with the push of a button and start sending instant transactions across the world in seconds. We are thrilled to be a launch partner of ZBD for this new feature for borderless transactions as it aligns perfectly with our vision for financial inclusion of the Philippines, Ethan Rose, CEO of Pouch.ph said, quote, the Lightning Network is without a doubt the best tool for the job. Together with ZBD, we can continue pushing this technology forward to let our customers move funds between their bank accounts and any Lightning wallet in the world more seamlessly than ever, end quote. Luis Pereira, CEO and co-founder of BIPA, reiterated these points, stating that, quote, the remarkably simple new user experience created by ZBD is a powerful move towards broadening our reach to more users in Brazil, end quote. The new features bring ZBD beyond the realm of simply earning Bitcoin and are a reminder of the incredible innovation still yet to come on top of Bitcoin. I've been a fan of ZBD for a while. When they first started out, I had a couple, you know, one of them on the show long time ago to talk about, I think it was Counter-Strike uh, Global uh, global Offensive. They stood up a whole bunch of servers for it because it was out of, not out of patent, it was somehow or another released to the world as free to play. Because uh, it, it's like 20 years old, but apparently it's so still badass. You know, the way that the game architecture works, it's smooth. It does, it's not re, you know, like all that resource heavy. And it's just like, it's a bare, apparently a very still much, very much a playable game. And they stood up a bunch of servers and it's like they were playing, you know, uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, but it was for Satoshi's. It's great. It was, it's great. You know, it was, it was freaking awesome. And as far as I know, it's still going on and had a, one of their guys on, uh, you can look back in the archives for it. It's been a while. It's been a couple of years. I was still, shit, I was still living in Canyon when I did that one. Um, but it's always good to see ZBD back in the, in the news. I like the fact that they're not standing still. I want to go back up to this statement. Uh, in order for Bitcoin to take its place as the native money of the internet, which really means the main form of money in the modern age, we have to make it so intuitive and simple to use for the average person that it ceases to be about Bitcoin. Okay. I'm going to, I just want to push back just a little bit. I understand exactly what they're saying. I, I mean, I get it. You know, the user experience is, is everything. I understand that. Making it simple to use is very, very important. I understand that. But sometimes I read sentences, sen sentences like this, and I think you're just shitting all over humanity being too fucking stupid to be able to understand something, you know, a little complicated. I don't actually believe that that's true. And I think that the more we expect people to be stupid and need to be, you know, hand fed all the time, we keep them in this infantile state. 
Now, I have no solution for this. It, I am not suggesting that we make Bitcoin, we keep it like it is right now where all the user experience that you're gonna need some technical aspects. But what would be nice is if we could use Bitcoin as a way to educate people in technology, you know, about technology and technological innovation and reaching for something other than opening a can of beefaroni and thinking that it's nutritious. And because it's just that easy. You see what I'm what I'm getting at? I I don't believe that the that every human on the face of this planet is so dumb, or even a great proportion of them is so dumb that they can't understand rocket science. There are humans that are rocket scientists. They understand it. Yes, I get it. They went to school for it. But it's this, it's this language that we continuously use. It's like, oh, they're just too stupid to be able to do this. You're too, I mean, the Federal Reserve and FDIC and the SEC and the CFTC and, and the administration of governments around the world treat you like this shit all the time. You're too dumb to understand economics. There's no way Bitcoin could possibly work. You just, you're just not smart enough. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm tired of it. Yes, human beings are smart enough to be able to handle shit, but they won't do it if you keep them in cages and force feed them the food that no other food than the food that you have selected for them to eat. It's like a zoo, right? I mean, no, I, I hate zoos now. When I was a kid, it was great to go see a hippopotamus. As an adult, I... I would rather the hippopotamus be back in its homeland in a river swimming around doing shit. Because it, to me, going to a zoo now, it just makes me sad. Seeing a lion caged is sad. Seeing monkeys throw feces at the windows is just, it's sad. And we're starting to treat each other like that. Oh, they can't make it out in the wild by themselves. Bullshit. Yes, we can. So I just... I'm just asking people to maybe lighten up on the language that we're too stupid to understand Bitcoin, so therefore we've got to make it as dumb and simple as possible. I actually don't believe that that's true, but we got other things to talk about. Binance Bitcoin balance drops by 3.4 thousand BTC within 24 hours of the CFTC lawsuit. Cointelegraph, Arjit Sarkar, soon after, the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission sued crypto exchange Binance and its CEO, Shengpeng Zhao, for a regula- for regulatory violations. The entrepreneur sought damage control measures while rejecting allegations of market manipulation. However, investors responded by pulling over 3,400 Bitcoin from Binance within 24 hours of the announcement anticipating market fluctuations. Quote, Binance.com does not trade for profit or manipulate the market under any circumstances, stated CZ, responding to the CFTC's allegations. However, episodes involving crypto entrepreneurs such as FTX's Sam Bankman-Fried and Terraform Labs' Du Quan have shaken investor confidence in the crypto ecosystem. Investors have started moving assets away from Binance to lessen the impact of a shutdown if it were to happen. As a result, Binance saw a reduction in its total Bitcoin balance, while other exchanges registered an increase as shown below. Oh, for God's sakes. 
Oh, we'll come back to that one. Binance's Bitcoin balance was reduced by over 3,900 BTC in the past week, of which 3,400 were pulled out in the last 24 hours alone. Competing exchanges such as Coinbase, Bitfinex, and Gemini recorded an increase in BTC reserves during the 24-hour time frame. Fuck, it degenerates, man. It is important to note that Bitcoin balances on crypto exchanges have declined since March the 20th. Over the last seven days, nearly 27,000 BTC left major exchanges. Repeat that because it puts a smile on my face. Over the last seven days, nearly 27,000 Bitcoin have left major exchanges. Alongside the CFTC's lawsuit against Binance and CZ, a federal judge temporarily halted a proposed deal between Voyager and Binance US. Oh joy, as Cointelegraph noted, or reported, Judge Jennifer Reardon of the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, of course, granted the emergency stay yesterday, March 27th, halting the potential deal between Voyager and Binance.us until a decision is made on the Department of Justice's appeal against the bankruptcy plan. There is so much crap going on. You've got CFTC, you've got a pending thing already with the Department of Justice, and now you've got a stay of execution on being able to actually mer- you know, have mer- a Voyager merge with Binance US. It's all happening at the same time. Everything's connected too, which has got to make it an absolute mess. But here's my problem. Yes, it's great that 3,400 BTC have been pulled in the last 24 hours from Binance. Because what are we always saying? Get your coins off exchanges. What we're not telling people to do is get your coin off of one exchange and then immediately send it to another exchange. No, all the exchanges. Get them off of all the exchanges. See, this is why... I know that we haven't learned any lessons whatsoever. The degenerates are still out there. They're still they're still seeking alpha on trading Bitcoin against shitcoins and shitcoins against other shitcoins. It's amazing that nobody has learned their lesson. Maybe I should rethink my earlier statement that people aren't too stupid to learn something new. Maybe they are. The people that the people that took their shit off of Binance just to shove it into Kraken or Coinbase or whatever, they didn't learn a thing. Oh, so maybe I should go back and, and take pause and rethink my initial, you know, my initial statement from the uh, earlier story. But I want to believe that people are not that dumb. That somehow or another we've just We've put them in the suspended state of animation where they're just infants all the time. They have, so I think that's what I'll say. They may be infantile, a whole bunch of them, and that, yeah, we need, you know, they can't understand Bitcoin, so we got to make it as dumb as a box of rocks for them or something like that. So what I will say is that they have the potential not to be that way, but I don't know what gets them out of the infancy. I don't, I, I really don't. Some of this stuff is not that hard. And honestly, some of the stuff that is hard, if you just bump your head up against the wall, you know, for a length of time, it finally becomes clear. Like like treasury bills for me, I never understood them. I didn't understand them even after Bitcoin for a long, long time. And it wasn't until 
recently that I'm like, oh, and it wasn't because I was studying economics tests. It was because I just keep trying to figure the shit out. Anybody can do this. I still have hope for humanity, but these particular humans that said, yeah, I'm going to get my shit off this exchange and immediately put it into a different exchange. I'm not sure if I have any hope left for these guys. Now, zero sync. How ZeroSync hopes to reduce the cost of validating Bitcoin nodes, Bitcoin Magazine, Shinobi, so you know it's got to be good. Zero knowledge proofs, or ZKPs, are something that have been discussed in this space for over a decade. Even Satoshi Nakamoto themselves was aware of them as a primitive that could be used, and the idea of applying them to Bitcoin was discussed as early as 2010 when they were still active. In my mind, they have always been one of the potential long-term features of Bitcoin that never really had a solid concrete implementation, but could wind up panning out and creating an enormous amount of value and utility for the work put into implementing them. Who wouldn't think that cryptographically proving that some statement is true or that you possess some information without revealing it is very valuable? especially when you can do so for very complicated things with relatively small proofs. Complicated and large smart contracts and scripts to lock Bitcoin within the end and necessity. Wait, hold on. Let me do that again. This is a weird sentence. Complicated and large smart contracts and scripts to lock Bitcoin within the end necessitate putting proportionally large pieces of witness data on the blockchain in order to spin those coins. That can either be literally large amounts of data or it can also be data that is expensive to compute and verify. This is conventionally held trade-off for blockchains. The more complicated the condition you want to require to spin coins, the more expensive to verify or more data is required to spin them. ZKPs have always been held up as a way to change that, allowing highly complicated script conditions to be proven with a small or constant amount of data that, when verified, shows definitively that those conditions were indeed met. This is because of the fundamental asymmetry between proving and verifying using ZKPs. To give a concrete example that is as simple as possible, Ring signatures are a very basic form of ZKP. The idea is to provide a signature provably made by one key within a large group of keys without revealing exactly which one. By properly defining a signature algorithm, a single signature can be produced that can be verified against the entire set of public keys and shown to have been produced by one of them, but obscuring which one. That at a very high level is how ZKPs work. You construct a protocol to prove something. That includes a way for the person asserting a fact to provide a proof and the person to which they are asserting it to verify it. In the case of ring signatures, it is a signature algorithm that validates against a set of public keys without specifying which one. That's the key point. You prove something without actually revealing the information that would, that would conventionally prove it. In this case, a signature from a single public key. Introducing ZeroSync. After years of discussing the possibilities, progress is finally being made on bringing ZKPs to Bitcoin in the form of the ZeroSync project. 
The interesting part though, is that it has nothing to do with locking or spending coins. There isn't any ZKP opcode coming or any type of way to lock coins on chain using them. It's being applied to helping full nodes accomplish a much faster initial synchronization. That's a big undertaking though, and is not something that is going to happen all at once. As I said above in describing ring signatures, a ZKP requires a protocol be designed for each specific thing that you are trying to prove. There is no zero knowledge proof that can arbitrarily prove anything because each one needs its own unique proof protocol to sufficiently validate a specific type of computation or assertion about some kind of data. ZeroSync is working on iteratively constructing three proofs that will, when finished, provide a full verification of the historical blockchain without requiring a user to actually download and process it. Oh, the great part about this is that absolutely no consensus change to the Bitcoin protocol is required to accomplish this. Everything happens simply at the application level, i.e. in the software that you run. It still validates and implements the exact same consensus rules as a conventional Bitcoin node. When complete, anyone can simply choose to use such a zero sync node and be sure the UTXO set they download is valid, or you can just keep running Bitcoin Core and fully validate everything in the conventional way. The first proofs, or sorry, excuse me, the first proof the zero sync team is working on which should by this time be released, covers the validity of block headers. It proves that each block in the chain correctly met the difficulty requirement at the time and tracks each difficulty change to ensure that every block meets the appropriate target. This also will introduce a huge benefit for simplified payment verification or SPV wallet architecture in the process. Each block is essentially a Merkle tree of every transaction in the block, plus the header that contains some other data and the root of that Merkle tree. ZeroSync's block header proof will, in the process of construction, also apply such a Merkle tree to each individual block header in the chain. So, the same way that every transaction is committed to with a Merkle tree, leading to a single hash, every block in the blockchain will be committed to a single hash using a Merkle tree. This will allow much more compact SPV proofs. Currently, to implement SPV, a user must keep a full copy of every block header in the blockchain and when provided a transaction and the Merkle tree path from, from it to the block header, can use that to verify that it was actually committed to in a block. With block header proofs, Users wouldn't even need to have a copy of all the block headers to verify that a transaction is committed to inside of the blockchain. They simply add on a Merkle path from the block header that the transaction is in to the root hash of the current blockchain Merkle tree and it provides the same security guarantees combined with a ZKP of block header proof validity. The second proof is focused on the actual validity of the contents of the block. However, like the assume valid function of Bitcoin Core, it does not prove the validity of the witness data. It will check and verify transaction size limit, coin inflation rules, etc., but does not provide a proof that the signatures, hash locks, and other witness data are correct. This proof, however, will incorporate UTREE XO in order to integrate the UTXO set at each block height 
into the overall ZKP protocol for the chain. The first proof would simply show you that the block headers are valid, but that says nothing about the coin supply or the UTXO set. This second proof would allow a UTXO set to be delivered to a user with a ZKP that provides all of the block headers leading to that UTXO sat set being valid, as well as including a commitment to each UTXO set and all changes to it, providing that each transition from one to the next is also valid. This would allow for a full sync up to the Bitcoin Core default assume valid height with just the UTXO set at that block height and a tiny proof, all with the same exact, uh, sorry, exact same trust model as downloading all of that and verifying the full blocks directly. The final proof will incorporate both the ZKP for the block headers and build on top of the ZKP for assume valid to include proving the validity of every piece of witness data in the historical chain. After this stage, technically speaking, a node using the final zero sync proof system will actually be able to bootstrap with one single proof and a UTXO set with a stronger verification model than Bitcoin Core by default. Normally, Bitcoin Core users uh, uses the, the default assumed valid block height to skip witness validation for any block before it, but a zero sync node would have a correctness proof for every block's witness data. The only issue with this last proof is that it the, is that the computational complexity is to actually construct it is much higher than that of the previous two. Verifying a proof is simple and quick, requiring only the ZKP and verifier, but constructing it actually requires taking the full raw data that would constitute a conventional proof, in this case, the entirety of the historic blockchain and actually processing it to construct a ZKP for it. Adding the witness data into the proof currently is very expensive. In order to achieve this roadmap goal, a lot of optimization is going to be required. But let's say that it proves intractable to do so. This project would still provide a massive amount of value in allowing users to zero sync up to the default assumed valid block height and then conventionally verify the rest of the chain from there to the tip. If the roadmap is successful, this project could have a massive effect on reducing the comp computational cost for Bitcoin users to bootstrap a fully validating Bitcoin client. Given that the blockchain is currently almost 500 gigabytes in size, there is a very restrictive cost that prevents a large number of users from running a validating client. You need to have the bandwidth available to download it, and in many parts of the world, bandwidth is still prohibitively expensive. You also need a device powerful enough to process that data, and in many parts of the world, people have nothing but a smartphone in terms of digital devices that can connect to the internet. Zero Sync could bring that cost down to a few gigabytes for the UTXO set and a ZKP proof so small that it could fit on a 1.44 megabyte floppy disk, and it requires no consensus changes or forks whatsoever to do it. Now, to wrap up, I want to make a kind of cheeky point. Zero Sync is built utilizing the Cairo language developed by Starkware, a Turing-complete language that can be used to build zero-knowledge systems for arbitrary computations. Starkware is a company developing ZKPs, 
for the Ethereum ecosystem, specifically developing zero-knowledge rollups as a second-layer solution. Zero-sync building out a ZKP-verified syncing client for Bitcoin might wind up being the first time a real material development from an altcoin actually produces a valuable improvement that folds back into the Bitcoin ecosystem. ZKPs can wind up being a very powerful tool for Bitcoin, even without incorporating them into the consensus layer or using them as a way to actually lock and spend Bitcoin. Hopefully, ZeroSync is able to achieve its roadmap goals and produce the quick sync client its team is working on. Afterwards, there's even more that can be done to deploy ZKPs in the Bitcoin ecosystem besides bootstrapping a node. So that's the end of the article. Yes, I, I realize that it's tech heavy, but th this could be really cool. You know, and especially for someone like me who does have a fully validating node, but at one point or another, my Raspberry Pi is gonna die. I'm gonna need another, you know, another computer. What would be seriously awesome is that if I could just plug in my hard drive for my Raspberry Pi, uh, or, or like, let's, let's look at it like this. Let's say this comes out tomorrow. I buy another Raspi and I basically copy the hard drive from my existing Raspi that's got all the historical data in it. it. It sounds to me like what Shinobi's saying is that this thing would be able to validate lickety split from not only my hard drive, but if I didn't have that hard drive from the historic chain by you know just being able to, to grab a hold of some of these proofs, problem with me is that if that, you know, determine, if I determine that that is going to take me trusting a third party and it sounds like it's going to kind of, maybe a little bit, maybe not so much as I think, um, I would rather it be able to validate all that shit from my existing, uh, hard drive that I've been keeping on my desk by, you know, for like what, three, four years that I've had a node up and running and all that time it's been collecting. So I might as well validate it from that. From that standpoint, if a mobile phone can run a node, then I, especially if there was a situation where I could download a, an app and sync it to my node that did the val that, that did all the validation and verification using these these PK uh, or was it PKZs or Z, ZKPs, um, then I would have to trust nobody but myself because I know that. All of that was turned out of my hard drive that I know is a valid that I know is a solid validating node. And that way I could run all manner of stuff on my phone. You see where this is going? Because without, I mean, like there's a lot of stuff, there's there's a few things that I sync directly to my Bitcoin node. Like all, like if you send me boostograms or any streaming sats because you're listening to this right now, that all goes directly to my node. You know, it'd be freaking awesome is if I could see those on my phone and be able to actually interact with my node from my phone without my node or my phone actually having to run a full validating node. And this way I could trust that this lightweight, very extremely lightweight version of a node is indeed trustworthy because it validated from my node that has the historical blockchain which I will never stop running. When this thing goes past one terabyte, I'll get a four terabyte drive. I'm never gonna stop validating this shit. And because I've kept it for this long, since I don't have to download it again, 
I, it won't take me hard. It won't be very hard for me to spin up any kind of node that I want using the data that I have. So just saying, I know that that will hold, you know, that whole thing was, you know, for a lot of people might've been a little bit more technicality than you wanted. It is interesting to see this come to fruition, but the whole fact that Starkware is doing it and because they're the ones that are building like roll-ups and shit for Ethereum, that's why all these assholes came out of the woodwork saying, see, Bitcoin needs to have a, a like shit coin number one protocols in part of it as part of it because it just doesn't work by itself. And that's bullshit. We've been talking about this crap forever, long before Ethereum was a thing. So just keep that in mind. And now we'll run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities got oil. West Texas intermediate up two thirds of a point to $73 and 28 cents. Brent North sea is up almost three quarters of a point to $78 and 68 cents. And then we have natural gas, which is down almost four points to the lowest price I've seen in so long that I really can't remember when I've seen $2 even for a thousand cubic feet. Not $2.15, not what it was, like $10.73 that it was like, what, eight, nine months ago. Nope, nope, no, nope, no, two bucks. Not even two fifty. I mean, shit. Our, uh, gasoline is $2.71 after a full point increase in price. It got gold up 1.1% to $19.75 and 20 cents. Silver is up 1.4, $23.47. Platinum is down 0.8%. Copper is down scant. And palladium is up 0.85%. Ag is pretty much mixed, mostly to the upside. Biggest winner is cotton, 3.77% to the upside. Biggest loser is coffee, one and a half points down. I got Dow down a quarter of a point. S&P down a third of a point. NASDAQ is down 0.7%. And S&P Mini is the only one with a gain, but scant at 0.07%. What's real money doing? We, I don't know. It's just bouncing all over the place. Right now, it's at $27,297. That's after 346,000 BTC have changed hands in the last 24 hours. 1.1 BTC is the average transaction value. Median transaction value is 0.014 BTC or 373 bucks, which is where it was for the median transaction value about three and a half years ago. Yay, 10 minutes and 40 seconds. So block times are high. I guess a whole bunch of people lost their hash rate. Uh, 0.2 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 26.9 taken in fees over the last 24 hours with a 1.74% drop in hash rate. We are down to 333.8 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge, who represents the rest of the shitcoin market. 7.3 United, United States pennies. We have a $526.4 billion market cap. That's just under 4% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 13.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 
19,330,618.21 of and 5,380, no, 98.38 of those are locked in the Lightning Network valued at $147 million even, being run over 16,389 nodes, sporting 75,067 payment channels, and 67.3% of all of it's being run over tours, associated 11,646 nodes. There are 15,000 transactions waiting on 65 blocks to clear. Is that true? And I keep forgetting to put mempool.space up here. I don't know why. Let's compare it to mempool.space. No, 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 in fact. No, no, no. There are two, let's see, two, four, six, seven, and yeah, more like 35,000 transactions are waiting on 149 blocks to clear. Everything that is beneath 2.17 Satoshis per V-byte is being purged from mempools. Uh, six Satoshis per V-byte is no priority. You'll pay 13 Satoshis for low priority and 25 Satoshis per V-byte for high priority or just right at a buck per transaction if you're using a SegWit type standard reaction. Uh, is there anything else that we need to go through? Yes, there is. We have a 3.1% upwards difficulty adjustment coming in now deemed on April 6th. It was April the 5th. They pushed it back a day, I guess, because of this 10 minute and 40 second block time. April 6th of this year is the next difficulty adjustment. And again, that's 3.1% to the upside. There's your weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Are you tired of clown world? So is Knutz von Holm, who's writing for Citadel21.com. And this is back on March the 21st of this year in volume 21 of Citadel 21. We live in an era where political virtue signaling is everywhere, especially in traditional media. In hindsight, 2022 looks like the same kind of peak, or some kind of peak, while most of society largely forgot what the political class did to its subjects during the so-called pandemic, Hollywood continued barfing out content made by diverse directors and screenwriters, filled to the brim with their not-so-subtle messaging and contempt for their audiences, Star Wars and Marvel committed franchiside <laughs> in this way after Disney took over, and the Lord of the Rings legacy was raped and forever tarnished by left-wing idiocracy as well. There is now a female version of every male Avenger. Hugh Jackman, the actor who used to play the leading X-Man mutant Wolverine, recently recommended Bill Gates' book about climate change to his social media followers. Men dressed as women win women's sports championships. And everyone's so afraid of being called a bigot that no one dares to point out the absurdity of a guy beating all the girls. <laughs> These so-called athletes are labeled courageous even though they're anything but. The fact that there are more men than women in some professions is deemed a problem, but exactly why it is a problem is rarely ever mentioned. Merit and actual diversity of opinion are being slaughtered on the altar of diversity and inclusion. Society has reached the point where consumers are becoming suspicious of doctors and lawyers precisely because of the color of their skin, since they suspect that they came to their positions because of it and not because of competence or any amount of merit. 
a mere 20 years ago. The normal gut reaction was the opposite. Wow, a doctor from a minority group. They must have worked hard to get to where they are today. When I grew up, a racist was defined as someone who gave a shit about another person's skin color or ethnicity. The same was true for the word sexist. You were a sexist if you took a person's sex into account when judging them. It felt like the world had come a long way in battling these biases since the atrocities of World War II and that anyone could have a decent career in any profession if they just put their mind to it and put in the effort. But at some point during the early 2000s, something changed. Suddenly, words started to mean the opposite of what they originally meant. Suddenly, anyone who didn't give a shit about skin color was now a racist. Anyone who didn't care about if the CEO of a big company was a man or woman was a sexist. In 2023, some even claim you're a transphobe if you're not into performing fellatio on a female penis, in quotes, occasionally. The virtue signaling has indeed run amok, and the media companies love it. They love it because they love anything that fuels the divide between people. The crazier the clown world, the angrier the reactions from the gullible, upset people on the sensible side of the political aisles. And I might add, I'm, I'm actually talking here, not Knut, it makes clicks. It's clickbait. Whatever. Continuing, the human race tends to operate like a pendulum or a wrecking ball regarding political opinion or, quote, the current thing. When there are too many blue-haired, fat, lesbian, gluten-intolerant, vegan environmentalists around, a wave of skinhead, steroid-pumped, anti-seed oil, carnivore pickup truck owners are bound to pop up from somewhere. For every Hillary Clinton, there's a Donald Trump. For every Greta Thunberg, there's an Andrew Tate. For every CNN reporter, there's an Alex Jones. There's always a current thing narrative to cling to in the Bitcoin space as well, albeit often a more masculine idea than the more mainstream current thing. What few realize is how lazy this kind of thinking is. Science isn't automatically bad just because the science is. Just because you've learned that whatever the government says is a lie doesn't automatically make the opposite true. The world is nuanced. Most things are not black and white. What is true and very black and white is the money. There's Bitcoin and then there are shit coins. Only by giving up the latter for the former can we remove politics from human action and work our way back towards some truth in the base layer of civilization. Bitcoin does not reward rent-seeking or lazy thinking. The positive aspects of many modern technologies are often overlooked. Even though clown world and the ridiculous ideas that follow in its wake are spreading like wildfire, there's a case for unapologetic optimism for the future. We often hear about the perils of social media and how it damages our kids' brains, but we're rarely reminded of the flip side of that coin. Social media is connecting people on a scale never before accessible to humankind. Everyone on earth can, at this point, connect with anyone else and start a video call with the click of a button. It's a massively important tool for peace. Pair it with Bitcoin and the bad guys haven't got a chance. When everyone's connected in this way, it becomes blatantly apparent how absurd it was or how absurd it is that we live in states with different laws and regulations. Why do other rule sets apply to my fellow humans on the other side of this pond, this river, this mountain range, or even this imaginary line on the ground? 
every day, more and more people are waking up to the fact that there is only one human right, the right to be left alone. People increasingly realize that monetary inflation is not a natural phenomenon, but a deliberate policy. It is only a matter of time before the old world fades away. As long as we're allowed to communicate, there's hope. The internet has proven that all communication can be boiled down to strings of ones and zeros, and Bitcoin has proven that money is nothing but information. Yeah, so Canuck came out swinging on that one. I'm sure uh, I've probably got a couple of people in the audience that are pissed off about it. That's okay. You could be pissed off about whatever you want. That's your right. You can do that. Hell, you can even bitch me out for, you know, for reading it. Remember, these are cold reads. I, I, I don't know what I'm reading. I mean, I do a brief scan, very brief, which usually includes like the, the headline and who wrote it. <laughs> so, but you can still be mad at me. You can say, you see, you're being irresponsible by not doing that. I, I, don't, I don't actually think so, but I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You know, if you got triggered because you were, you know, listening to Canuck go off on what he really thinks is true, and, you know, immediately deem what he thinks is true as invalid because it pissed you off. That's your right. I don't think it's the right way to go, but it's your right. And I'm never going to tell you that you shouldn't have that right. So if you want to bitch me out, just do it in a boostagram. That way I can monetize it. <laughs> just, just kidding. The man's got a point. I remember thinking the same thing. And specifically, this was about that before and for me it really didn't start in the 2000s i didn't really see it start happening until where it got where it got bad enough that i could not not see it was around the very late 2000s very early 2010s when i was like i don't remember race relations being this bad except in the 70s which i remember the 70s and for in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, it was just going away. It was going away. And people were accepting each other for whatever it is that they were. All we gave a shit about, can you do the job? That's all I care about. If you can do the job, then do the job. But now, it's worse than it was in the 70s. It's worse. If that was even possible, and it was bad in the 70s. I mean, you're coming, you're, you're not even like seven or eight years. And I'm, this part of the 70s I'm talking about, you're not even seven or eight years into full-blown Civil Rights Act being enacted. I mean, it was enacted, but it took years for things to actually start falling out of it. You know, we're all, I'm like I'm talking about a time that it was only like, you know, eight, nine, ten years from the enactment of civil rights. It, it, amazing enough, it was getting better. It was getting better. 80s, 90s, 2000s. People just stopped giving a shit about each other's color or what country they were from or what language they spoke. They just didn't care. And now we care about stuff you didn't even know you had within you. You know you're white. You know you're black. You know your ethnicity. Other people know all this shit information about you too. But now people are calling you names and you're like, how would you even know that I would think that? And you're wrong, or it could be right. I'm just saying that it's like, I walked across the street and therefore I'm a transphobic. Something like that, something akin to where this very small action 
signals to a group of people that you've offended them in some way. And you're just like, I just, I'm, I didn't mean to offend anybody. I'm just doing, I'm just going over here, you know, and like the, the whole female athlete thing or male to female athlete. You know, any idea how bad that's fucking up scholarships in, in collegiate sports? I, you know, you can say that they're courageous or whatever. I'm just saying it, it bears at least some thought instead of just going all in immediately on something that ground. I mean, whole university budgets are set around college athletes, scholarships, whole budgets. This isn't something that's just, you know, ah, well, it doesn't really matter. It does. It does when whole university budgets are like are are taking into consideration how much money they're going to pan out to male and female athletics then when you've got crossover and guess what there's not a I don't know of a single female that's transitioned to male and goes tries to play for Florida football you know there I Florida University or the Seminoles or whatever. I, I've never seen that. It's always males go to female and then that person ends up just destroying the field. And again, if university budgets weren't connected to this shit and some of these you know, girls that have like, that's how they compete. That's, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to be a swimmer and they were good at it. And they were number one last year and now they're number nothing at least take it into consideration as the possibility that maybe just maybe this isn't working the way that we thought it was going to work. And that's what Knuts, I think that's what Knuts really trying to say is like, holy shit, guys, dude, I don't think we're thinking about this at all. We're literally being told how we're going to act. And if you dare think about it, then you're a transphobe or something. Now back to Bitcoin, NASDAQ, Eyeing the second quarter of 2023 for the release of Bitcoin and crypto custody platform. The NASDAQ is going to custody. Oh, joy. Let's find out more from BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine. NASDAQ, an American stock exchange based in New York City, is reportedly looking at Q2 2023 for the release of its custody services for Bitcoin and, well, of course, shitcoins. In an interview with Bloomberg, Senior Vice President and Head of NASDAQ Digital Assets, Ira Abrock, said that the NASDAQ is pushing ahead to get all necessary technical infrastructure and regulatory approvals in place. The report describes an infrastructure that might look similar to that of Fidelity Digital Assets, which quietly opened its operations to the public last week. The first step to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency trading on NASDAQ would be a custody service for the asset. According to a Bloomberg report, NASDAQ has applied to the New York Department of Financial Services for a limited purpose trust company charter, which would oversee the new business. Launching just as, a, as several major cryptocurrency firms have collapsed, Amidst increasing regulatory tension, the goal is seemingly to offer these customers who now have no platform, a regulated, well-trusted American service for Bitcoin. Oh, this, <laughs> screw these guys. It should be noted that many of the issues surrounding exchanges come from third-party risks presented by a custodian holding Bitcoin for customers. The most secure way to interact with Bitcoin is to self-custody it with your own wallet. 
Although trading platforms do offer the ease of interaction created by custodianship, with the American financial system seeing precarious headlines as of late, it's important to consider how these trade-offs compare with traditional Bitcoin self-custody. Okay, this brings me to an idea that just popped into my head. If you needed to be a degenerate and trade Bitcoin against shitcoins or whatever, then how would we be able to do the following? I just use my cold card as cold storage with a single SIG or multi-SIG, all of signatures of which I am in control of, and just connect it to the damn exchange off of the address. I don't have to transfer like, you know, I've got several wallet or I've got one, I've got a hardware wallet. It's cold card. That's what I'm using currently and I love it. It's got a private key, but I've generated several wallets out of it or more, more specifically several UTXOs. I've generated addresses that now hold UTXOs because I didn't want to put everything all in one, you know, all in one basket, right? So what if I take one of those wallet addresses that has, oh, I don't know, let's say, uh, 50 million Satoshis, like half a Bitcoin. And I want to go be a degenerate over there on Kraken. And then somehow I'm able to validate with Kraken that I do hold this address. Maybe this is where ZK stuff can come in, where I prove that approve a thing without actually showing you the thing. And then that way I'm always in custodial control of the Bitcoin and I don't have to send it to Kraken. I can literally trade it on Kraken directly from my own wallet address without ever putting Bitcoin on there. I think that that's possible. And I'm surprised I haven't heard anybody talking about doing that. That see, I would hope that HODL HODL and BISC would be able to do that instead of, you know, relying on Kraken or Coinbase because I don't, I don't trust these guys to be able to do it properly. In either event, that's an idea. So if you guys want to run with it, if you get rich, just remember little old me for giving you the idea if that idea hasn't already been posited, which I have not heard that one yet. But I, maybe I'm just like more into my own world than I actually thought. Fuck it. Bitcoin hash rate spikes as analysts say miners coming back online. Well, that doesn't explain 10 minute, 40 second block times now, does it, Stephen Cat from Cointelegraph? Bitcoin hash rate spiked to an all time high of 398 terahashes per second on March the 23rd, with analysts speculating no, it wasn't terahashes, it's exahashes. Not Terra hashes, dude. Not, no, 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 whatever. With analysts speculating miners are starting to turn their rigs back on as BTC price rises. According to data aggregator YCharts, the Bitcoin network hash rate dropped to 344 exahashes, dude. Exahashes as of March 27th, an increase from 335.3 exahashes on March the 22nd, but still up from 178.7 exahashes one year ago. This dude, this just is constantly using Terra hashes in this, in this post. I can't believe this. Come on, dude. Whatever. In a March 26th post, Sam Wouters, a research analyst at Bitcoin financial service provider, River Financial speculated that the spike in hash rate is connected to unused mining inventory coming online, new facilities going live and entrepreneurs finding cheap sources of mining. 
quote, while Bitcoin's price was so low, as much inventory as possible was bought on, brought online last year. At some point, maximum capacity of what the network could handle was reached. Now that the price has been rising again and some time has passed, more of this inventory has been able to go online. In addition, Wouter says the hydro models are starting to get into the market with 250 plus terahashes per machine, which I don't think is right. I don't trust them with this whole terahash, whatever, which adds tremendous hash rate. As of March, a rather a March 20th analysis from investment banking Stifle, uh, yeah, Stifle shared a similar sentiment, speculating that the recent spike could be connected to miners bringing hardware back online. So yeah, I mean, they go on a little bit more in the analysis, but clearly that is, has been going on. But 398, I don't think was the actual, uh, exhashes per second was the actual peak. I think it was somewhere around 417 uh, back, you know, back not too long ago. And then we saw... A whole shitload, shit ton of hash rate go offline as the price started crashing, and then now it's all coming back online again. That seems that seems correct. That seems to to go with what I'm seeing in the charts. But in the short term, as a very local low, I'm seeing 10 minutes and 40 second uh, hash times. Haven't seen that uh, at, from a local standpoint, a local time period standpoint, in actually quite a while. So we'll have to see how this shit plays out. Um, do we want to do this one? No, that one's too long and we're getting long in the tooth on the show. Let's talk about clown world one more time. Disney cuts metaverse unit amid company wide layoffs. According to a report, Ryan Gladwin from decrypt.co make a smile. Walt Disney company has cut its next generation storytelling and consumer experiences unit. The team of around 50 was dedicated to developing metaverse strategies per the Wall Street Journal. The team was responsible for using Disney's vast library of intellectual property to tell interactive stories in new formats. This comes as part of a company-wide layoff that are, is expected to see around 7,000 people leave the company over the next two months. Disney did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The firm's metaverse lead, Mike White, was hired in February of 2022 by Disney's former chief executive, executive Bob Chappick, who described the metaverse as the next great storytelling frontier. Chappick was replaced as CEO by Robert Iger last November. White will reportedly stay on at Disney. Shortly after his appointment, White reportedly told employees that the goal was to create an entirely new paradigm for how audiences experience and engage with our stories. Disney's metaverse strategy remained obscure for a year after the creation of the unit. The company hinted that the metaverse could play a role in fantasy sports, theme park attractions, and other consumer experiences. There was an effort last year to create a membership initiative that would be somewhat akin to Amazon Prime, which offers free shipping, discounts, exclusive deals, and more. This effort has since been abandoned, according to the Wall Street Journal. Disney's CEO seems nonetheless bullish on the future of the metaverse, investing in and joining the board of Genies Incorporated, a startup that sells tools to create avatars for the metaverse. The metaverse hasn't grown as quickly as Disney hoped, becoming an easy target for cuts of this size. Meta, by comparison, has shifted billions of dollars in resources to the metaverse only to be welcomed with low user demand. Even its own employees won't use it. Ooh, 
that's hardcore, man. Yeah, metaverse is right now is complete bullshit. It's complete and utter bullshit. That we've tried this before. Just because you have a VR headset upon your head does not make Second Life any more useful. And if you've ever played Second Life, then you know what the hell I'm talking about. And you really don't play Second Life. This isn't really a game to be played. This is an alternate reality to live in. And then you have to ask yourself a question. Why are you interested in an alternate reality? What's wrong with this one that you need to hide from it? Could it be Clown World? Could it be a whole bunch of people always constantly screaming at you, calling you a fucking racist, and you're just absolutely confused as to why and how you're a racist? Could it be that the money is burning down like a mountain of garbage lit on fire by a masked man called the Joker? Is it possible that endless wars are driving you to the metaverse? Is it possible that just, you know, the hunger pangs in your stomach because you just can't afford the McDonald's dollar menu can be staved off a little bit longer by immersing yourself in some kind of porn paradigm bullshit given to you by Mark Zuckerberg and a whole team of people who swear up and down that they're looking out for your best interests. Is it possible that the metaverse is nothing but an escape hatch, a valve, a pressure release valve of some sort that really is the signal that tells us that the world of reality is on fire? I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that for you. But for me, the only reason even Second Life existed was because shit was going down. And Second Life came out in what? What was it that I want to say the 2010s? Early 2010s? Yeah. And a couple of other things were tried. Video, that's 2010s is when video games in sales, annual sales of video games, whether subscription or standalone, surpassed like something like $3 billion a year or whatever that number was. It was the first time that video games surpassed Hollywood entertainment. I'm talking movies, like the movie industry. The video game industry in the 2010s surpassed movies in revenue. Because everybody needs this experience because the experience outside your front door right now, you open the door and what, what do you see? You see the dog sitting at the table and everything's on fire. He's going, this is fine. And then what do you do? You close the door and turn on the television set. We got to figure out a way to extinguish this fire. Bitcoin for me is the only way to do it. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. I tried to have a conversation with my wife while she was applying a mud mask. You should have seen the filthy look she gave me. All right, I was going to do boostograms, but I'm looking at the clock and it's 1 p.m. my time. I got I still have yet to eat. I normally skip breakfast, but I don't normally skip lunch and I'm hunger pangs. Hunger pangs and I've got some non McDonald's dollar menu food that's in the fridge to go eat. And I'm going to go do that 
and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.